Welcome to the Experience Christian Church Message Podcast. We are a church startup based out of Exton, Pennsylvania, committed to giving the community a fresh start with God and with church. Our mission is to help people experience God's love in a practical way. We would love to connect with you. Would you text ECC info to 94000 or go to our website, experiencecc.org for more information and to learn how you can be a part of our community. Enjoy today's message. Hi, my name is Diane Karshner. I'm the Director of Discipleship here at Experience. Uh, Today we're wrapping up our series on the Psalms called Raw, Life Unfiltered. The big idea that we've been exploring over these weeks is how the book of Psalms has shown us how to come before the God uh, that we love, unfiltered, raw, just as ourselves, just the way that God made us to be. You know, you might be sitting here, um, you're believing in God. Some of you may not believe in God. Maybe you're wondering if he even cares about you. Does he care about what I'm worried about? Does he care about anything that I'm going through? Can I really be honest with God? And those are honest questions that all of us have explored sometime or another. But this series and this final message, we hope provides answers to those questions. Some of those things that you've been wondering about. If you've missed any of the the messages in this series, you can go to experiencecc.org and find them there. I would really encourage you listening to all of them. They've really, they've opened up the book of Psalms for me in just such wonderful ways. A lot of things I didn't know um, that really made me think about things. I think you'll be inspired like I was. Um, We don't have to guess what God is all about. It is in his Bible. It is in the word of God. He shows us himself in that book. I truly love this book. I really do, but I'd I'd be honest. I have to be honest with you. It hasn't always been like that. In this message, I'm gonna take you through a little journey from when I was just an onlooker, just a curious bystander uh, to the book of the, to, to this book, and I just take you through um, the adventures that I've been on over these many years that I've been a believer uh, to where I fell in love with this book. As, as we come to the conclusion of this series in the Psalms, um, I chose to just finalize everything with Psalm 119. And um, I'm, I'm so passionate about people finding God and then falling in love with this book that this Psalm, Psalm 119, is the perfect and obvious choice to finish us out. It's like so many of the other Psalms that we've been studying over the last few weeks. Um, It's raw, it's unfiltered. Um, It demonstrates how God appears in so many of of our life situations, just the things that we go through. We come to him, these psalmists, these authors came to him um, just so raw themselves. They came to him in whatever mood they found themselves. Let me read a couple of, of moods that they were in. Um, the arrogant mock me unmercifully. Rulers sit and slander me. I'm laid low in the dust. My soul is weary with sorrow. I've suffered much. There's fear and weariness and sorrow and disgrace and anger all through this book. The author of this book in particular in Psalm 119 is not always in the best mood, <laughs> is he? Uh, and a lot of the psalmists that we studied over these past few weeks They were in pretty bad moods when they came to God, but they brought the rawness to God because they knew God would be there waiting for them. They knew that uh, that God would help them through whatever they were struggling with, no matter what it was. 
So let's look at digging a little deeper to this psalm in particular. First of all, it is the longest chapter in the entire Bible with a whopping 176 verses. Every single one of those verses has the word of God mentioned in it. Almost all of them. I think there's one or two that don't have it, but for the most part, 176 verses mention it. So you kind of you kind of wonder why why we needed 176 verses to talk about this. But let's take a consider uh, just a minute to consider this. Um, at that time, when they were reading the the book of Psalms, when they were encouraged to study the Word of God, there was no paper. Gutenberg and the Chinese haven't hadn't even looked at the paper at discovering paper until thousands of years later, hundreds of years later. So that would be impossible for them to have this sitting in front of them to be studying out of this. So what did they study on? Well, they, they studied on rolls of papyrus and papyrus was these reeds that were laid this way and then this way and then uh, watered down and then let to dry in the sun and then they could be rolled into scrolls, scrolls after they were written on. So that's what they studied. They studied off the scrolls. It was even in Jesus' time, Luke mentions in his verse, Jesus went to the synagogue as was his custom. He stood up to read the scroll of the prophet Isaiah and unrolling it, he found the place where it was written, the spirit of the Lord is on me. So he read from Isaiah, he rolled it back up, handed it to the attendant and sat down. So even then, scrolls were used for studying the Bible, to studying the Word of God, and that's all they had. They didn't go to a library, they didn't go to an indie bookstore, they didn't order from Amazon. There were no scrolls except the ones that were in the synagogue where people went to hear about them. But and really, one more thing I'm going to mention before I go on. The final complication of all this is most of the people were illiterate. So even though they might have been able to get to the scrolls, they couldn't read them. They had to have somebody read them to them, which made me start thinking about the fact that Psalm 119 and encourages them to, to study them, to learn about them, but the only way they could do that was to be in community, to be sitting together in a group and having the scrolls read to them. So that was kind of cool to think that the only way they could study was when they, with each other. But then a few hundred years before that, Moses wrote this. These commandments I give you today are to be on your hearts and press them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk, walk along the road. When you lie down, when you get up, tie them as symbols on your hands, bind them on your foreheads, write them on the door frames and on your gates. It's just amazing that any way they could, they were to have these words front and center in their everyday lives. They didn't memorize, they didn't just memorize the Ten Commandments, they discussed them. Like, what does it mean not to covet? How do we make God first in our lives? They didn't just, just read them and, and listen to them being read to them. They revered these words. They made them a part of the prayers, part of the worship, part of their dinnertime chats. That's what we were talking about when we talk about these 176 verses, making them a part of everyday life, not just on Sunday. Let me read a few from this psalm that have been a part of, of my spiritual life over the last few years. May your unfolding love be my comfort according to your promise. You are my refuge and my shield. I put my hope in your word. These meant, meant a lot to me. Um, they got me through some really tough times over the years, some pretty dark times. 
His word gave me hope. I felt I could hide behind the shield that is written about, that I could rest back there, that I knew I was protected. His unfailing love comforted me in some way. It's hard to explain, but when you put that in, it just, just comforted me. So just let me share a few experiences. Here at Experience Church, uh, we believe that you have to, it's better to experience it than explain it. So I'm going to share a couple of experiences I've had uh, incorporating the Word of God into my life and the difference that it's made. First of all, I read this book to recall it. So I read it, I try to read it every day um, so I can recall it. And you say, well, what does that mean to recall it? So you memorize, what do you do? Well, it's like, it's like getting up every morning uh, and making my bed. It just feels wrong if I leave the house without at least reading a little bit of scripture. If you've been in the church world for a while, um, you pick up Bible verses along the way without really putting much effort into it. When Matt taught about Psalm 23 a couple weeks ago, I can't imagine there was very many people in the audience that didn't recognize that verse. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. When I was growing up, the verse was uh, from a different version of the Bible. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. So all of us recognized it, but we didn't put any effort into putting it in. We didn't put any effort into memorizing. We just heard it a lot of times. This is what those people went through in the old days to learn the scriptures. They heard it and they heard it and they heard it and it became part of what they talked about. Jesus said that when we became believers, the Holy Spirit would remind us what he had taught us. The advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I've said to you. I read that verse over so many times and all I thought was, oh, I just need to memorize a whole lot of verses and that, that'll be it. But that's not what Jesus said. He said he would remind us what he taught us. Well, <laughs> we'll remember not only by our own efforts, but by his as well. A few years ago, a close friend of mine, probably we were really close for like 10 or 12 years, decided she didn't want to be my friend anymore. She kind of dumped me. Um, really hurtful. I don't know why. <laughs> um, but um, a couple of years after she had dumped me, <laughs> she, uh, the, her family went through a terrible, a terrible time. And I felt so bad for her. I still cared for her a lot, even though I was angry at her sometimes thinking about it. Um, <laughs> but I prayed for her. Um, and I went to sleep that night after I prayed. But in the middle of the night, I woke up and and this thought came to my mind that I should text her. I should text her and let her know that I was thinking about her and that I was praying for her. But I didn't do that. Um, I, just, um, I just went back to sleep. I woke up the next morning as I was getting ready to start the day and this thought popped into my head. If you know the good you should do and you don't do it, it's sin. <laughs> I don't know where that came from because I had memorized anything like that. But, you know, it was like an earworm, you know, one of those little songs or jingles that gets in your head and you can't get rid of it. Well, this, this saying kept coming back over and over again all morning. So finally at lunchtime, I took out my phone and I searched that recurring, annoying, obviously not from the Bible saying, and it was in the Bible. It was in the book of James. Remember it is sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. James 4, 17. 
I had never memorized that verse, but I had read the book of James quite a few times over my decades as a believer. I'd even been in Bible studies where we studied James. So this would have been a verse that I put in there. I didn't memorize it. So although I had not ingrained it into my psyche by consciously memorizing it, it was still in there somehow. But how does that happen? Well, the easy answer is that the Holy Spirit. And for those of you who have never heard about the Holy Spirit, it's this part of God that comes into us when we start to believe, to remind us and teach us and guide us and comfort us. So the Holy Spirit's in there doing this, reminding us about things that we had already put in there when we read it. It's nothing spooky or eerie. Okay, maybe it's hard to understand or to grasp, but it's still truth. It's the Holy Spirit. But the harder answer that I think is equally exciting to the question of how that verse popped into my head from seemingly nowhere is captured in one of the very first Bible verses I ever really internalized. It's from the book of Hebrews, which is in the New Testament. For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Let's look at that more closely. The words in the Bible are alive and active. I put them in and they circulate around in my mind and my heart. They're sharp. They analyze and dissect what we're thinking and what we've done and what we believe. And they judge what the heart is holding onto too tightly. So just a casual reading, a few minutes each day, from a reading plan, just open your Bible and read a few minutes. It does something. Not everything it could, but it does go in and it doesn't come out. So to be reminded of it as I was that day meant I had to do a little bit of pre-work. I had to read the Bible. <laughs> oh yeah, and the end of the story that I started, so I'm, I know you're all like sitting on the edge of your seat waiting for this. Since I couldn't rid myself of that earworm saying that I was sinning if I didn't do it, um, I acted on it. So first I asked God to help me get over the fear I was feeling to do it. So it was kind of like a mask off admission of what was really stopping me from doing what I ought to do. Um, and then I asked God to use it in whatever way that he needed to use it and to help me through whatever the consequences were. Um, you know, whether she sent me a nasty gram or um, changed her phone number or just never responded at all, all of that would have been hurtful. Again, I knew myself enough to know that I was gonna need help with this. So I sent the text. And within minutes, I got a grateful 10 minute, 10, 10 minute, 10 character thank you note back. No, it wasn't, it wasn't a miraculous relationship healing happening, but God's miracles are often out of sight until they come up and whack us, right? So I remain hopeful. I know what you're dying to ask now, now that my story's done and now that I've clarified that when you read the Bible, it goes in there and it's alive and active. So I don't have to memorize anything, right, Diane? Uh, no, you have to memorize things. I'll tell you why and why this is so important. Knowing his word is alive and active in the way that I just explained is a wondrous way to look at God, that he is God and I am not, and he can do these really cool things. But it's what Matt calls our divine partnership with the God of the universe. Memorizing is more intentional, it's more focused, it's making sure we can access his word whenever we want to. I cannot tell you the number of times 
I have accessed this verse, be still and know that I am God. It's always calmed me down. So let's talk about memorization for just a couple of minutes before I close. And I'm going to add meditation to that, which is memorization's kindred sister, because one without the other may not do what we're trying to achieve. So memorizing and meditating so we can live it out is what I learned. So let's take one more look at Hebrews 4.12. For the word of God is alive and active. It's sharp. It penetrates. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing has affected my love for the Bible as much as this verse, but, but not in a real obvious way. A few years ago, I was inspired to memorize more uh, Bible verses by a missionary couple I had met who were just back from Indonesia. They'd been over there for 24 years. They intended to stay in the States for a few years until their kids graduated from college, but she was struggling a lot with being back in the States after being gone for so long. So many things had changed. She felt that her faith was challenged by the first world distractions that were all around us. We can all identify with that. Well, she felt that um, in order to help her with that, that she would memorize another, yes, another, book of the Bible. So she was going to memorize the book of John. Um, yeah, uh, that was so overwhelming. I'm thinking, well, I, if she can do that, I can do a couple of verses every month, right? So I tried. I struggled. I even downloaded an app. And if you know me, apps and me don't agree. So I just thought that if I downloaded an app, it would be with me all the time and I would have no excuse. Well, I tried and tried and tried, but I even picked easier ones, more familiar ones, so that I could pick up on them really fast. But that didn't work. Jesus wept for God so loved the world. God loves a cheerful giver. But when it get to more than seven or eight words in the in the verse, I, I was just I just couldn't grasp it. So I finally, after you know, humbly, humbly realizing that it wasn't going to be me, I needed to learn something. I asked her, my missionary friend, for some counsel on this, and I still remember the advice she gave me almost verbatim because it changed everything for me when it came to knowing and learning about the Word of God. She said, take a hold of Hebrews 4.12. Carry it with you. Put it on a card. Think about every single word of it. What does that word mean? And what is God trying to do in you because of that word, because of that phrasing, because of that verse? When you do that for a couple of weeks, he will give you a reason to live that verse out. He will make it part of you. So I thought, well, I, I have nothing to lose, so I might as well try this. So I wrote Hebrews 4.12 on a card, and I carried it around, and I thought about every word. And the words that stuck with me the most were alive and active and judges my heart. So I thought about those a lot for a couple of weeks. And then all of a sudden, it dawned on me that it had become part of me. I started saying the phrase to other people. Hey, the word's alive and active in you, so you know you might as well put some in. You should go read your Bible because the word is alive and active once you put it in. Hey, it penetrates your heart. It judges what you're thinking about. You should put the word of God in. I started saying those things in, in Bible studies and to my husband, who I irritated with most of it, but <laughs> it, just, it just became part of who I was. I lived it out because I took the time to really meditate on what God was trying to tell me. So it changed things. It taught me that 
Every little reading starts the work of the living, active God inside of me, circulating through my system. It taught me that if I put it in, it would help with my thought patterns, with my fears, with my frustrations, all of them filtered through this word of God that was alive in me. I have to admit that I've learned to like memorizing. It's sort of a victory every time I remember a verse. Um, maybe it's my pride that's feeling that way. I'm sure that that's not what God intended for me to have after I memorized a verse, but that's me. <laughs> but the meditation on it has been what's made the difference. It really does help to keep me, my mind focused on God and lowers the noise coming from first world distractions. And we have so many of them right now, don't we? When I read the Bible, I'm no longer in a hurry to get through it, but more in anticipation of it getting through me. Uh, and just, are you freaked out by meditation, even the thought of meditation? Let me address that for just a sec. Uh, because I was, I, I, when somebody would say meditation to me over the years, it would be like, Ooh, hold on, seems a little spooky. But have you ever worried about something? Have you ever not been able to sleep at night because you kept turning it over and over in your head? That's meditation. I'm not talking about that kind of meditation where you keep your mind focused on something that may not be all that healthy for you to be focusing on. I'm talking about focusing on God, meditating on God, thinking about him and dwelling on him, on a verse from his Bible. Just as worry is letting our mind settle on something negative, having our mind settle on something like God can really help us. Memorizing verses gives me, gives you, quick and easy access, constant access to Bible verses. Like, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. And the memorized verses that I've meditated on help make it easier for me to live that kind of verse out. I've hidden your word, so I've memorized it. It's in there. I know it's in there. I know that verse, and that will help me not sin. I, I just love that thought of that. I love how Eugene Peterson described the power of the word of God over the years, over the centuries. He wrote, we are part of a holy community that for 3,000 years and more has been formed inside and out by these words of God, Words that have been heard, tasted, chewed, seen, and walked. God gave our ancestors this word. And they are still ours today. So that we can hear and taste and chew on them together. It's in the word of God that we learn about him and about the life he wanted us to live. Living with God's word helps, comforts, guides us in the life he wanted us to have. This psalm challenges us to take a look at the whole word of God as more than just a book on your shelf or a good thing to have when you go to a Bible study. It shows us every little nuance of what we need to live our lives the way God wants us to. So how do we do this? What's a game plan? So let me offer this three one steps, I call them. They're very easy steps um, and you can start them today. First, choose one Bible reading plan. And we'll list a great source on the chat for you to like, look into what is available. You can choose a short one that lasts a week or a month or a long one that will take you all the way through the Bible in a year. You can do one on a particular book of the Bible or a subject in the Bible. There's so many ways to look at this Bible, Bible reading. Don't let this intimidate you. I know, I know you already have a time crunch on your hands. But somehow, in some way, spending a little bit of time in the Bible every day 
it's just a good way to start the day and it's a good way to handle everything else, to balance it all out. And why not give that possibility a try, right? <laughs> if you're already doing this, oh my gosh, keep doing it. But then try these next two steps as well. From your reading, choose one verse, just one verse. So you choose a Bible study reading plan and now you're choosing one verse from it to memorize and meditate on like I did on Hebrews 4.12. Choose one that just hits you hard or jumps off the page at you or you're just intrigued by it. You're just like, what did that mean? That really, that really unsettled me. So do that one. Just in case you're worried about finding the right verse or you're worried that nothing's going to jump off the page, uh, we'll put a few Bible verses to try this out with uh, on the chat today. Choose one and take the next week to carry it with you. Just carry it with you. Think about each word. Read it over and over again. Don't try to memorize it. Just read it and just let God just put in what he wants you to learn from it. Let us know how it goes with this, with this particular one step because uh, it can be so life-changing for you just to try this out. And the last step is to pray one raw and honest prayer. You know, we spent the last few weeks walking through the Psalms and there were some wildly honest prayers in there, weren't there? <laughs> These authors trusted that God would hear them and help them and comfort them and never leave them. That kind of trust makes it easy to be honest, right? This is what God wants for us. He really does. So why not be honest with the God who loves us so much that we can never grasp a hold of how much he loves us? This week, tell God exactly what you're feeling about something that's happening in your personal life, that's happening in the world around us, or what you're emotional about right now, whatever it is. At the end of the prayer, simply say, thanks God, thanks God for listening and help me see where you're comforting me in this problem, in this issue, in this feeling. Be honest. This kind of prayer starts and ends with our unmasking ourselves, coming to God with full awareness that we are feeling a little snarky <laughs> or nasty or even sorrow-filled today. And know this, no matter what, no matter what, God still stays. He does not flee from our humanness. He embraced it on the cross. We saw that all through the Psalms. When we come to him with our mask off, with our heart wide open, we can begin to really experience the love of God that he has for us as never before possibly. We can come to him raw and unfiltered, and that is how he comes to us. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you so much for the word of God, for we can go in there and we can find out who you are and how much you love us. Help us, Lord, as we take these one steps this week to be open to feeling the active and alive word in us. We thank you, Lord, for going to the cross for us, for loving us that much. Help us this week to live the way you want us to live. Thank you. In your son Jesus' name, we pray. Thanks for joining us. We hope something you heard today will draw you closer to God and encourage you to know him better. If you found this message podcast helpful, please subscribe, write a review, and consider sharing it with someone else. If there is anything we can do for you, a question we could talk through with you, a prayer we could say on your behalf, or a need you have, please don't hesitate to let us know. We are better together. Please connect with us soon. Take care.